We were the girls were thinking about singing uh, the cheeseburger song from Veggie Tales. You're my only cheeseburger. Yeah, we don't want to do it still. No, Evelyn would do it, but you got to bring your sisters if you're going to do it. Come on, Cecilia. Come on, girls. You can't. All right. I think people would really like it. The kids would. All right. Yeah. Come on. Sam, you too. <laughs> I said, well, whatever you want. Now I'm making them do it. Okay. It's really, it's, you don't know it, but it's really what you want. Do we have the words? No. You don't? I get enough Okay. Uh, but your phone's dead. Uh-huh. Sure. Here. Okay. Just, just hold on one second. Who's going to fill the dead space while... Uh, I look this up. I got a joke. Uh oh. Okay. What did Jesus say on the night of the Last Supper? Get on this side table if you want the picture. All right. Okay. Here it is. Can we all read this? Do you want? Do I have to be in this song? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Turn around. We'll see. Well, let's pray. Let's let's change direction here. Thank you for dealing with your father, girls. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, just for oh, man, we just are so blessed, Lord God, for the very uh, reality that you have not left us alone. Uh, you are still involved in our lives. You do care deeply about what we're going through. And uh, you have ensured, you have um, guaranteed our eternal future. And so we just thank you, Lord. We just give you praise. and We thank you for your word, Lord, uh, that you've given to us and your spirit, your Holy Spirit to to guide and direct and to lead and convict and encourage and comfort us. Um, We ask for wisdom as we look to your word. We thank you, Lord, for everything. Again, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we were blessed to have our missionaries here. Um, And I'm... Again, I'm struggling with my, our memory, my memory this morning. Who came last week? Someone help me. Uh, Owens, yes. Brandon and Carrie Owens. And so it was good to have them here. We didn't get through all the way through the message. So we're going to go back to it. And, um, you know, it's been quite a week. I, I thought Wednesday I was doing really good, and then it, 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 things changed. I thought I had my message pretty much handled by Wednesday, and then this morning I, I looked in my notes, and I'm like, uh-oh, because I have a different message for Thedford than I do here, because we got all the way through the message last week. And so if I get mixed up, it's because I have two messages today. I'm not used to that. Um, but, um, you know, when we went to the surgery... Uh, before the surgery, the doctor prayed with us, and and I wonder um, 
how hard that would have been for a doctor to put her. I don't know if you put your career on the line to do that, but it's still hard to step out and say, hey, let's just pray uh, before we go into surgery. But it was a huge blessing for Dandy and I. Yesterday, Lois Johnson and uh, Dolores Weber stopped in, you know, those old fine ladies, and came over and prayed with Dandy. What a blessing um, that was. But I wanted to tie that in to the aspect of that's a horizontal relationship that we have with one another. Whether they're in this church family, this local church body or not, we have other believers throughout the world that are part of our, really a part of our life, and we may bump into them once, but there's this great opportunity to pray with other people. And I fail at it sometimes, thinking, you know, we'll talk and then we'll go. And No, the prayer is, is crucial. And so, as I was studying between the two messages, you know, today we're going to continue on uh, from... Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 19 through 23, and next week we'll be in 24 through 29, and really began to occur to me this morning as I was reviewing my notes, that this morning we're looking more at the upward view, that is that, that vertical relationship that we can have with the Lord God, that we have through Jesus Christ, that intimate relationship. And that affects our, the horizontal relationship with other people. I am at my best when I'm firmly established in the Lord or walking in a close, intimate relationship with Him. It's not me, it's the Lord. And so when we look at these two passages in the next couple of weeks, I think it's important for us to realize we are so blessed to be brought into this family first and foremost, and then also not to take it lightly that we have this relationship with the Lord God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and allow that relationship to saturate our lives so that we can have a better relationship with other people. And so, going back to last week, we're, and we're going to briefly go over some of the points that we've already touched on, but the reality is that Jesus is the only way to know and, to, and be friends and not enemies with the Father. And when we place our full faith and trust in Jesus, then we are brought into this right relationship with Him. And this relationship is a relationship of peace. Positional peace. And so this passage teaches us that those given peace with God should firmly stand in this privileged relationship. We should firmly stand in this relationship. In this passage, let me read this passage again. And we're going to start at verse 19. For it was the Father's, and we're in Colossians 1, 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is Jesus Christ, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Having made peace through the blood of His cross through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, 
which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And so when we come to this passage, we look first and foremost at the reality that, that there was a plan for peace, a plan from the Father, the Eternal Father, through the Eternal Son, to bring or deliver the ability for us to be at peace with Him. In verse 19, he was pleased with his eternal son. That is, we looked at two weeks before through this passage starting at verse 15 about how Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's not just a little bit God and a little bit man, but he's fully God and fully man. He is God. He is God the Son. And so it's important for us to grasp this reality one of the, the main heresy, I think, that he was dealing with, uh, with the Colossians that they would stand firm in is that, that of trying to synchronize Christianity back with the old Jewish customs and Jewish law and the Jewish way of doing things. And so there's this tension brought about who really is Jesus Christ. Now, if they accept him as Messiah, do they... they, do they have a full grasp of that as, as they are looking at the Old Testament, the promise of the Messiah coming. Do they fully grasp that He is God the Son? And when you look at the New Testament, when you look through the Gospels, you see that as something that they wrestled with and Jesus continued to proclaim to them that you can't know the Father unless you know Me. And before Abraham was, if we remember in John, before Abraham was, I am. And at that point, they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. I believe in, is that John eight fifty eight? Kind of going off cuff here. But they, they saw it as blasphemy. And did, so do these Jewish people that are, are looking at these Gentiles and other Jews that are accepting uh, Jesus as their Savior, do they understand this? Or are they trying to bring them back to the old law? What were they trying to do? And so Paul is pointing out, first and foremost, the reality that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, and they cannot have a right relationship with the Father unless they know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in verse 19, as, as you were looking in, in the verses above that, when we looked at them, it's a kind of a continuation on to point out that Jesus is God. And it's the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness that is that Jesus is fully God. And then verse 20 gets into the reality of it is what Jesus did. And so in verse 21, why did he have to do what he did? So 19 and 21, they both point out why this took place. What needed to happen? And what needed to happen was reconciliation because if we look at verse 21, as we mentioned last week, I'm not going to try to review the whole thing, but and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. Okay, verse 21. We once were. That is, these people that Paul is writing to, they once were. They no longer are as Ephesians talks about. They once were enemies. They once were dead in their trespasses and sins. They were once cut off. And so the reason why Jesus had to do this is to pay the penalty 
for our sins because we were cut off. We were in need of saving. We were in need of saving. And I can't remember what I used for an illustration, but just for a review, I mentioned my dog hates fireworks. She, she hates them with a passion. And we took a walk. We thought the fireworks were done with, and we took a walk, and there were fireworks going off, and she did not like that. And it was all I could do to keep her by me. So we called uh, the girls, and Lorraine came and saved her. <laughs> we put her in the car. She cowered in the car, took her back. She was able to get into the garage. Well, they had to carry her in the garage. <laughs> but she got to where she felt safe. Reconciliation is more than feeling safe. It's more than feelings. It's a position of safety within the hands of God. Reconciliation is not just that we're no longer cut off, but we're at peace with God and we are able to have this relationship with Him. And so all humans need reconciliation. The words in here, alienated, estranged, to be a stranger, to be separated from, and Ephesians 4.18 is another place that that word is used, hostile, at enmity, enemy to God. And so last week, I know I went over this, but just to review, but Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for the righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that truth. I hope you've known that since you were a kid. I hope you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusted in Him, and this is just a comfort. But how sweet it is to go over these simple truths. Simple, but complex, right? This is what He did. Why did He do it? Because we needed saving and He loves us. How blessed we are not to be cut off anymore, to not be enemies, and so the main thrust here today or, or goal or, or main point here for us is that these get, those given peace with God should stand firmly in their privileged relationship. Do we do that? Or do we take it for granted? When things are going okay, <laughs> sometimes okay is still hard. And some of you know this better than I do. Uh, but then something happens, like with Dandy. Extreme pain occurs. Surgery. Maybe you have health issues. Maybe you've had health issues for a long time and, and you're just kind of getting used to it. And then something happens like that extreme pain, like something worse. And you realize, man, it wasn't, as bad as it is now. <laughs> now it's really bad. I kind of took that for granted. That it wasn't that bad. I'm not saying those of you who are struggling now with, with whether it's emotional or physical issues uh, should have this view, but sometimes we get to thinking, uh, this is really bad. I'm not saying it's not really bad for you today. But many of us are doing okay just okay. And yet we don't fully understand 
how good we have it until something else happens. And so don't take it for granted. And so with that, that idea, the relationship we have with God now, let's not take it for granted. Let's realize how wonderful it is for us to be able to be at peace with God. The second truth taught in this passage, and this I just mentioned last week, and so we're going to delve in a little bit deeper, is the power to make peace. The how, the agency or means, and really, I did touch on it briefly here a moment ago, but let's dig into this passage just a little more and see what it has to say for us. And so in verse uh, 20, we see that through Him, so it's through Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And so when we look at this, the, the, the gra- what you need to grasp here is that this was a, a total, a perfect, a complete sacrifice by Jesus Christ. It was also a painful or savage sacrifice. As we look at this, this passage here, it was savage. The blood of the cross. And what does this mean? Well, I'm going to point out before I get into this, just a simple reality. It's just talking about His death because look at 22 and within this whole context and the reality as we look at the rest of Scripture, the Scripture does not contradict Scripture. If we think it does, it's because we're not interpreting the passage correctly. But in verse 22 it says, He reconciled you in His fleshly body through death. It's speaking about His death. It's speaking about the savagery of His death. It does not mean here, as some have taken it to mean, that somehow the blood of His cross, that somehow there is a storeroom in heaven or a store place in heaven where there's this blood that is there to be dispersed upon the people who believe in Jesus and come under His grace. Because when you look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, you would say at times there's a sprinkling of this blood when they would sacrifice the blood, the bulls and goats, and they sacrifice them. There's a sprinkling of this blood, but it's not implying at all that we have to receive the blood of the cross. Jesus died once for all. It was complete. It was total. There is no necessary need. There's no need whatsoever. Like as we take communion for it to become the blood to receive the grace of God. We receive it. Salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. What it is speaking about here is that Jesus died once for all and it was savage. It does mean Jesus' death on the cross was painful. That Jesus' death was a sacrifice. A once for all sacrifice. And that Jesus' death was complete and total and final. In reality, when we speak, as I spoke with the first truth today, when we talked about the plan for peace, the love of God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it's simple, but it's complicated. Because when you look at what had to happen, and how it had to happen, and what Jesus had to do, it is very complicated. But in reality, Jesus, and, in, and simply say it, to say it, Jesus is the way of salvation, the only way of salvation. He paid for the penalty for our sins in His body 
on the cross. And so peace often comes at a cost, a very high cost. And sadly, people pursue peace when there is no peace. You know, an illustration we could use is that the peace that Afghanistan has, well, the relative peace that they have been able to enjoy came at a high price. Military men and women in the United States as well as Afghanistan. And now as we see United States uh, occupation, you know, you think about it though, we still occupy Germany. South Korea, those places have been able to enjoy peace. But as we move away, there's going to be a cost. But the cost that they had, the cost that we enjoy for peace here in the United States, was at the hands of many men and women who fought and died to ensure that peace. And the peace that we have with the Father was delivered to us at the hands and the high cost of our Savior. Don't take it for granted. Oftentimes we can take many things for granted, but do not take the peace that you have with the Father for granted and the peace that we've been able to enjoy for many years for granted. Um, Remember the lives lost. This weekend... uh, World War II vet, or World War II remains of a man from Nebraska were finally returned. It's a lot of years. Peace comes at a high cost. Don't take it for granted. And so when we look at this passage, the power to make peace, Jesus had that power to make peace. And he made that peace for us. And so when we, we consider that, let's, let's understand the privileged relationship we have. The final truth teaches us that this, this position of peace, there's an aim, there's a result or an aim. It teaches about the position of peace, the reality of peace. And so going on a little further, uh, it spoke of in 22 through his fleshly body through death in order to present you, the believer, before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. What is the reality? Well, holy. We are declared righteous. Amen. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we are declared righteous, but we are holy. We are the saints. Right? You understand that? His body. And this whole passage began in verse 18. It talked about Jesus being the head. When we were talking about Jesus' preeminence, it was speaking about Jesus who is the head of the church. And then he goes into this whole thing about how we were brought into his family, into his body. That is the church. How we were brought into this family. How we were adopted. And so now, who are we? We are these people that are brought into his family, that are part of his body. We are people who are holy. <laughs> And we ought to note what that means. That is set apart 
to him from sin. We could look at Ephesians 1 4 and 1 Peter 1 19. Let's do that. I've got plenty of time. You're like, uh oh. He thinks he has time. Ephesians. Turn over to Ephesians with me 1 4. Ephesians 1 4. Blessed be, in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of his will and it goes on it's for his glory to praise of his glory but what is it talking about at this adoption well we're reconciled to him but we're holy and blameless look at first peter 119 one of my favorite verses here one of my favorite passages here in first peter so i want to start at verse 17 If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed, nor were you reconciled, nor were you justified. Okay, I threw those words in, but it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. But with what? The precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. It was through His sacrifice that we have been made holy to God. And so we are able to have a relationship with our holy God and to be used by Him for His good purposes. It says blameless. Going back to our passage here, and you'll note in Ephesians 1-4 many similar words, but here in, one, in, in Colossians 1-22, blameless. That's without blemish. It is a blameless character. The same word used for the spotless Lamb of God. We just read 1 Peter 1-19. Hebrews 9-14 is another passage. Beyond reproach. This goes beyond blameless. No one can bring a charge against us. And it does remind me of justification. Before who? Him. We are imputed with Jesus' righteousness, clothed in His righteousness, and able to be before the Father for His glory. The purpose of peace. What is the purpose of peace? In order to, again, the why, also the when and where, the last was the purpose, but also that not only we would have this position, but that we would live this position out in our lives as Ephesians teaches us as well. Ephesians spends a great deal in the first three chapters about our position where we stand. We're at peace with God. So that last three chapters, we could practice or live out 
who we are or walk with Jesus and live out who we are. And there's also the warfare that takes place because it is a battle when you look at Ephesians 6.10. Here in, in Colossians 1, we should have the same perspective, understanding we have this position that we're placed in, now let's live it out. Okay? Don't be like Lambert. The Sheepish Lion. Anybody ever? When I was a little boy, that was one of my favorite cartoons. Okay? It's old. You'll probably laugh at it if you watch it. Lambert wasn't a sheep. He was a lion. But he acted like a sheep because he didn't know anything different. We're children of God. Live it out. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Live it out. We live out who we are from the position we're in. We don't try to earn that position. We live out who we are. But it is so, so confusing at times, isn't it? The world and Satan can get us all miscombobulated or discombobulated. Kind of like going on a merry-go-round and you're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and you come off and you don't know where you're at, right? Or if, you're, or if you're like Dandy, I think she still knew who she was coming out of surgery. Uh, she doesn't know what she was, didn't know what she was saying. It could be funny. Anyway. But we should know who we are. Right? And if we're struggling, it means that we just lean all the more on Jesus Christ. Enjoy that relationship with Him. Rest in Him. And so, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast. In, rea- in reality, when you look at it, it's, saying, it's not saying, this first class condition is not saying that, hey, you have to live, the, you have to earn it, or you have to prove it. No, you need to wonder, hey, am I really a believer or not, possibly? You were supposed to seek, am I really in the faith? But... It's to live out what you are. If you've really believed, then this is how it should be worked out. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And he begins this passage begins to point to where he's going to lead us next. That is the ministry that he has because we're saved for a reason to be presented before the Father, spotless, blameless, holy, but also to live it out and to point people, to be involved in ministry, to point people to Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this passage, it's pointing out, if you really believed in Jesus Christ, this is what you're going to do. Okay? You will be steadfast. Not moved away. Now, Colossae, there they had earthquakes. And so it means steadfast, firmly planted. You weren't moved by the earthquakes of life. You weren't moved by the earthquake. How many of you have an earthquake in your life or ever have had an earthquake in your life? Shatters everything, almost, or yes, everything. Are you still resting in Jesus? If you're firmly established in Him, doesn't matter what topples in your life, you'll be able to stand in Him. So do not... So the evidence here is that we continue to stand in Him throughout our lives. 
And we are reminded that this relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ is something that we ought to value. We should not take for granted. And the question for us is today, do you spend time with the Lord Jesus? Do you spend time with Him? Do you know the Word of God? Do you spend time in prayer? Do you cling to Him? Those given peace with God should stand firmly in their privileged position. And by that I mean you are walking with Him daily in devotions and you're joining with other believers, studying the Word and encouraging one another as you see the day approaching. And you seek to follow and obey your risen Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word, for Your promises, for what You've done in our lives. And as we look at Scripture, we see that it's not by our strength we're able to do anything, but by You, through You and Your power. Give us wisdom to know when we're beginning to trust ourselves instead of You. Help us to always lean on You and help us to always cling to You, Lord, and have the wisdom to know when we need to do it a little more fervently. I ask, Lord, that You would guide each and every one as they go out this week. I thank You, Lord, for each one, and I ask, Lord, that You would just bless them. I thank You, Lord, for this church family. I thank You, Lord, for other believers that You've brought into our lives. Help us to know how to be there to encourage them. And thank You for the encouragement You give us through them, and more specifically, more blessedly through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.